Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt.co, this is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, Bitcoin's hash rate reaches even greater heights. See a once blasted Ethereum for a foundation. Now it wants one. And in our main story, Polkadot, how it became a top 10 cryptocurrency. Coming up on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Today is Wednesday, September 9th, 2020. In the words of the crypto curator, happy hump day. I'm just going to get straight into it today. We need to get to the news. We need to get to the crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin, $10,320, up 2.8% from yesterday. Ethereum, $357.50, up 6% from yesterday. Litecoin, $4861, up 3.8% from yesterday. Chainlink, $12.56, up 8% from yesterday. And XRP, $0.24.2, cents, up 3% from yesterday. We are green across the board. We're bouncing back. I hope. Fingers crossed. Total market cap for all cryptocurrencies, $335 billion. And BTC dominance slipped a little, 56.9%. And in our main story today, we're going to talk about Polkadot. Dot, where did it come from? How it became to be? And how is it a top 10 coin? We're going to discuss this with Adriana Hamaker, writer for Decrypt. Enjoy. Adriana, welcome back to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm excellent. Long time no talk. I'm happy to have you back. Yes, and I'm very happy to be sitting in this seat again. Yeah. I, I know. So you, you, we haven't talked, spoke for a while, and then you come out with this article that talks about, I would say, probably one of the most talked about cryptocurrencies on the scene right now that snuck into the top 10 pretty much out of nowhere. But Polkadot's been around since 2017. Could you tell us a little bit about where Polkadot came from and how it came to be now? Well, the main guy behind Polkadot was one of the founders, co-founders of Ethereum, Gavin Wood. So, I mean, he started out ages ago in 2015, but all the founders of Ethereum kind of went their separate ways. And he was one of the ones to go and found his own project. He also supported the Ethereum um, client that he helped uh, build. His main kind of work in the last three or four years, I think, has been working on Polkadot, which is very much a rival to Ethereum. So Polkadot started at in 2017. Is it just humble beginnings? Was it an I, ICO? How did that all came, came to be? Well, they had quite a record-breaking ICO. And since then, they've also raised more funding. But the project's been very sort of tightly, I would say, controlled in terms of the the information that they've released about it. Um, it's been in development, as you say, since 2017. Um, and the mainnet launched in May. Um, and since then, things have really taken off for this project. So Gavin Wood, who started Ethereum, he obviously didn't like how Ethereum's going. And then he decided to do Polkadot. Is Polkadot, uh, even though you said it's a rival to Ethereum, is Polkadot, do you know anything if it's trying to do the same thing? Is Ethereum a platform with smart contracts? And what separates it apart from Ethereum? Well, Gavin Wood didn't 
dot Ethereum. I mean, he was he worked on the code for for Ethereum. Um, he was one of seven co-founders. Uh, I think all of the co-founders were very very strong personalities, um, and Gavin particularly always had very firm ideas of what he wanted to do. Um, I said that Polkadot is an Ethereum competitor. It is in a sense, but Polkadot's, I think, main difference is that it sells itself as the blockchain for blockchains. I mean, it's, it's an interoperability blockchain, basically. It's a platform where all blockchains can come together and interact with each other. That's kind of the main thing about it. I mean, there are all these other factors like parachains and substrate, but that's the main the main kind of uh, reason for it. Got you. So the big thing that got Polkadot in the news these, day, these days is that it had a split and then all of a sudden it appeared in the top 10. Can you go through that little, I guess, timeline of the split to it popping into the top 10 of CoinMarketCap? Yeah, because it was kind of uh, on the fringes of the top 100 cryptocurrency rankings until about three weeks ago. And then it sort of suddenly got into the number 10. I mean, I wasn't watching it. I had other things going on, I think, at that time, as possibly a few other people did. But I think that what happened is that they had a series of community votes. Polkadot really prides itself on this sort of governance model that they have and, you know, code is law and, uh, and all this sort of thing, on-chain, on-chain govern- governance. And the first of these votes was about redomination, re- oh, this is a hard word, redenomination, which is basically a bit like a stock split. I mean, I don't know if, you, if you've heard like when Apple split their stock, you know, they mm-hmm. went up. People do it for all sorts of reasons. And Polkadot, uh, they say that the reason behind putting this to the community vote was to make the stocks more ergonomic, um, easier to sort of handle rather than being in a big denomination to have a small denomination. So they, they split each uh, DOT token into 100. So each investor still had the same value of investment in the company, but just more tokens. So this basically didn't affect the market cap, but made the tokens theoretically easier to buy um, and encouraged interest. But more importantly, I think, around the same time, actually, uh, this came into force just before, they had a transferability vote as well. And community decided that the tokens would now be transferable. And so they could be listed on exchanges. Because prior to that, the only way that you could really transfer DOTs was through OTC trading or IOU. Uh. So, you know, I think that was one of the deciding factors, you know, plus the fact that people were seeing this project is coming together. There is no history. It's a relatively new blockchain project, unlike Ethereum which is building on a a legacy infrastructure. I remember that, and if you can tell me a little bit more about this, if you know, the debacle with the exchanges is that I guess it did this split and it was going to be listed on exchanges and then the exchanges listed it early, which tanked the price. Yeah, there was this transferability vote and so there was this re-denomination vote. um, And the transferability came in, 
came into, I don't know, polka dot law, shall we say, three days before the re-denomination. So some exchanges took advantage of that to, um, to, to list the token early. And I think some investors might have got caught out by the sort of the, the price at the time. So it rose from 2.92 prior to the devaluation to a recent high of 6.84 on September the 1st. I don't have any data about what exactly that caused for the token, but you're quite right. It did dip before rising again. Um, and Gavin Wood fired off uh, uh, a rather indignant email asking uh, central exchanges. Basically, he said, do your effing job properly. He's a Yorkshireman, so he doesn't mince his words. Oh, that's funny. For some reason, I, always, I, I never heard him speak. I always thought he was American. No. Oh, no. He's very, very English. Um, I mean, his well, Twitter tag is Gav of York. I, you know, well, there you go. There you go. I didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> well, York is where he went to university to his PhD. So what is the prognosis of Polkadot? It's very interesting, I think. Uh, Polkadot are building a massive ecosystem uh, to rival Ethereum. There are lots of announcements, I'm told, coming up. So no doubt we will be reporting on them. Well, thank you very much, Adriana, for coming on and telling us about your piece on Polkadot. And I'm looking forward to uh, well, seeing how Polkadot progresses during this time in the crypto space and in the world. Yeah, me too. Speak to you next time. Thanks a lot. And in other news, Minecraft, the game that purposely uses horrible graphics, is coming out with NFT tokens later this year as CoinCheck partners with Engine. CoinCheck announced that it is working with Engine to develop NFTs for Minecraft. The Japanese exchange plans to launch the industry's first NFT marketplace by the end of the year. This was quoted from the Decrypt article linked in the description. First marketplace, I want to know what the definition of first mar marketplace is because Super Rare also has a marketplace for NFT tokens. I am curious what that means. However, this is an obvious move for the gaming industry to NFT those collectibles that you get in the virtual space and get paid for them on the blockchain with cryptocurrency. Sia, the decentralized cloud storage network, thinks creating Sia Foundation can bring more attention to the network, but getting there will involve a hard fork. Doing so will allow each block reward to go toward the Sia Foundation. Sia has in the past criticized the Ethereum Foundation for being too heavy-handed with protocol developments. And now, hmm, the tables have turned. Let's see how this rolls out. Well, if Bitcoin isn't mooning yet, I know what it is. It's Bitcoin's hash rate. And here to talk about it is Scott Cipollina, the Crypt Writer. Thank you very much, Matt, for having me. Bitcoin's hash rate reaches an even greater height is what you just wrote in this article today. Man, talk about it, please. The Bitcoin hash rate has actually been increasing steadily sort of throughout 2020, despite everything that's been going on. It's now pushed over 140. That That's the data that's come out on Glassnode just recently. This can mean a few different things. I mean, a lot of people speculate about what this means for potential price rises or price decreases, depending on what happens with the Bitcoin hash rate. But one of the things that 
is true, really, is that it means good things only for the blockchain security um, or for blockchain security more generally. Uh, the reason why that is, is basically because the higher the hash rate, the harder it is and the more money it would cost for somebody to attack the blockchain network. So that is one thing that we know pretty much for certain um, as one takeaway from an increasing hash rate. But another downside of an increasing hash rate is going to be the higher fees. Am I correct? A lot of things have pros and cons, and this is no different. I, th I would say another con, in my own personal opinion, is that it, it can cause for a lot of speculation and sometimes people will unavoidably be disappointed as to whether it, whether or not they think Bitcoin is going to go one way or another. Um, and it points to an interesting debate about causation and correlation. There's obviously a lot of data out there about the history of the price of Bitcoin as it relates to the, the hash rate of Bitcoin itself. There is, some would argue, I would say, a correlation but it's, it's a more interesting discussion as to whether or not one causes the other, as in whether or not an increase in hash rate basically causes a price increase. So the way that I understand this is that a higher hash rate will allow miners to be able to need to mine more to make a profit. Therefore, a higher price in Bitcoin is needed with higher transaction rates in order to sustain the network. So that's why we see this kind of like we said, is a causation or correlation yeah. of a higher hash rate to higher prices in Bitcoin for people to get mining rewards and higher prices of transaction fees to maintain the network. Is that is that how I think that is working? Well, that is certainly how, how uh, that, that's an assumption that's made by a lot of people. And I'm not saying that that's incorrect, but it's it's again that I think the jury is out as to whether or not that correlation actually would qualify as a causation there if you look at the data there is certain periods in bitcoin's history where the hash rate was increasing but the price wasn't increasing let's say at a at an equivalent rate let's say i would say that the jury as i said is very much out on whether or not this relationship is actually a causal relationship so i guess what we're, i want to know now is when somebody's listening to the news and they hear this information about higher hash rates what do you want them to walk away with this this goes hey there's higher hash rates means there's more activity on bitcoin network or more miners or we should be looking at the price or what should be actually get from this news the most important thing to consider when you're looking at increases in hash rate is that there's always a multitude of different explanations as to why this might be happening um so somebody who i spoke to for the article that i've just written he's the co-founder of the blockchain research lab when he spoke to me he let me know that there are many different reasons for an increase in bitcoin's hash rates for example um a maturing lending market can have an influence on this um increased bitcoin price or rather increased bitcoin competition can also have an, uh, an impact on on the hash rate itself so i think the key takeaway for people to look that to look at here is that there isn't always just one sole explanation for whatever you're seeing with a hash rate right on scott thank you very much for coming on the show and talking about bitcoin's hash rate thank you and a fun little tidbit today a crypto compare survey of DeFi projects found more than 60 percent think that ethereum will be the dominant DeFi blockchain for the next three years fees might be high but they don't see ethereum losing its market share anytime soon Security is also a top priority for DeFi, but how best to achieve it is up for some debate. Most DeFi builders acknowledge that most of the existing traffic comes from speculation and not from utility. That seems to be a theme in most of our markets these days. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. I'll be back tomorrow, Thursday, for more crypto news. Happy hodling, everybody. Take care.